Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Letters to Myself podcast. Hope you're all having a great February and that your week has started off amazing because today, as I'm recording this, it is Monday, February 7th. We're almost at Valentine's Day and we're currently in Aquarius season. And I don't know about you, but whenever it's Aquarius season, I always feel a lot more social and I usually associate it with the fact that it's an Aquarius is an air sign and I know air signs are known for being social and just I feel a lot more communicative and I'm talking a lot more with people I'm having a lot more discussions and a lot more um, discussions to do with I guess like politics and world issues and it's kind of surprising because I'm don't don't take my word for this but I'm pretty sure Aquarius represents like like humanitarian causes and like in general the entire world as a society um, and it's just interesting because I've been talking so much more about what's going on in the world. Not that I don't, but it's been a theme the past, since we've entered Aquarius season. Anyways, and usually around this time, I feel like my social life's booming. Like it, it's just, it's overall, it's a good vibe. Like I love Aquarius, Aquarius people. I love, you know, they're always so, they're a lot warmer than is portrayed and they're bubbly and social people. And I feel like they're the life of the party. Um, and Of course, I'm a Leo sun and Aquarius is like the opposite, like the sister sign, I guess, to Leo. So I always feel like I get along really well with Aquarius because whenever I go out with them, I feel like we just, um, what's the word? We transmute energy or we bounce energy off of each other. And um, they're like, it's like a life of the party duo, if you may. That's how I personally feel. I always get along with Aquarius people. The one thing I will say is that Aquarius are really blunt with their communication like they don't sugarcoat anything and they don't yeah like they won't um they won't hide their feelings or their true intentions whereas I feel like if you're like water signs are more a type to sugarcoat or to lace their words with emotions whereas Aquarius just completely will say it exactly like it is and if you did something wrong they will let you know they are not scared of fighting period so that's just the vibe I get off of felt of Aquarius's, but if you are one, just know I, I love you. I appreciate you. Um, I love every sign, and this is just what I've observed based on my interactions with Aquarius people. Yeah. Life of the party. Um, on that note, actually, I kind of went through like a hi- hiatus of enjoying astrology because I felt like you know if I am pro science then I can't enjoy or have a hobby of astrology and it took a it took a while for me to overcome it but I'm like you know what like I'm allowed to enjoy I'm allowed to enjoy something astrology has been around for thousands of years and I understand that it is technically a pseudoscience like I'm not saying it is fact but there are a lot of other things that aren't factual either that we take as real Like so many things that have an inherent value in our society are not actually real, but we give them meaning. So for me, I use astrology as a way to connect with people because I think it's fun. Um, I use it as a way to develop my personality or to help read others' personalities. Similar to Myers-Briggs or to, what is it, the Enneagram? I know people are going to say Enneagram, but um, it's... It's a tool to help you discover things about yourself. And I don't think there's any harm 
in in enjoying something unless you are the type of person that will be like you know I've seen people be like well you can't be a roommate because you're a Virgo so we're (laughs) kindly we're canceling you and um you're not allowed to live with us when obviously when it gets to that point it's a little bit of a delusion but I think in general there's nothing wrong with enjoying something and I also you know I had to come to terms with it right because on the one hand it's like okay there is no proof if you may that it is real but at the same time I enjoy things for the sake of enjoying them like I'm not going to deny myself the pleasure of enjoying something simply because um there is not 100% proof towards it or because others are going to criticize me for enjoying something another thing that kind of correlates to the entire um astrology hobby that I've seen a lot of people get backlash on is that I think in general if the majority of people who enjoy something are women it's always going to be attacked by men and the hobbies that we have are traditionally feminine um hobbies or activities and I'm not saying it's a gendered activity by any means I'm saying that traditionally um astrology is in modern day associated with as more of a girly thing um it it gets a lot more hate than activities or hobbies that are traditionally taken on by men um I find that with a lot of things not only for astrology with with various things that we enjoy doing for ourselves so I'm also critical of that and and I'm also aware that you know sometimes you're just gonna get a lot of shit for enjoying something simply because it is traditionally associated with femininity or because most of the people at least that I see on astrology twitter or like on astrology youtube social media or spirituality social media are most most of the time um women right correct me if I'm wrong but this is what I see as the majority and I always will observe them getting criticized or getting made fun of or even being dumbed down and called out for being less intelligent simply because they are enjoying something and because they've built a community around this and I don't think there's anything wrong with positively building a community with other people so yeah I'm always going to be critical and aware of that but just so you know um in this space we we love astrology um and again within the context of me doing it just for fun um I will always just discuss it keeping in mind that I'm not taking it as something that is 100% certain. Um, There are very few things that I take as 100% certain. Usually it's only going to be scientific things that have been all like proven with most of a consensus from scientists, then yeah, I'll, I'll believe it. But there's always going to be kind of that gray area of should I enjoy this or should I like not do it? And I'm choosing to enjoy it. So anyways, (laughs) I think I have discussed a few of my placements before in a previous episode. Um, And lately, I have been reading a little bit more and kind of getting back into it and making the connection between the planets and the houses. So one thing that I have learned recently is I've always wondered why I was so career oriented. And that just takes big precedence for me personally. Whereas for other people, I notice that there are other major themes in their life career has always just been a central factor in my identity. And I noticed that for me, it kind of just flows really easily. There hasn't been a lot of setback for me in that regard. And I was reading that if you have 
placement, the 10th house represents career. So I have Capricorn in the 10th house and Capricorn is traditionally associated with, you know, being a hard worker. And it, I think it does exude this image of career. So because I have 10th house Capricorn, it makes sense. So just in terms of that, I'm starting to like kind of bring everything together full circle. And it's all kind of making sense as one big picture. Whereas a few years ago, I would just be like, yeah, I'm a Leo sun and um, I'm a Cancer moon and a Leo Venus. So that's all I know. Yep, <laughs> I'm a Leo. Um, and now when you see the full picture, it's a lot more interesting. So my next topic of the day is going to be an update on the books that I've been reading because there have been a lot and I don't know, just because it's so cold outside. And I mean, again, we're as of... January 1st, we're not really in a lockdown anymore and restaurants and places are opening back up in Toronto. But before that, it's like you can't really do anything. And it's so cold that um, all I've been doing is like reading at home after work. So I will discuss a few of the books. I know that last time I was talking about how I don't like contemporary romance. So since then, I haven't really read any of in that genre. But I have read some really great books, one of them being The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which is 10 out of 10. Amazing. I, I know that probably everybody has heard of it now if you read, but that is one of the best books that I've ever read in my life. It made me cry. It made me excited for her. It just It's such a tale of raw humanity to me because it doesn't paint her as perfect. The character, it just discusses everything that she did and how she lived with no regrets. And I love a book like that. I love a book that will make you question everything and just realize that humanity is so flawed and people make mistakes and that doesn't take away from the fact that they have the most meaningful life. I just think it was beautiful. Um, another book I read was More Myself by Alicia Keys. So it was just kind of like a memoir or an autobiography of her life. And I've always been a fan of Alicia Keys. I remember when I was a kid, my mom had her CD of her first, her first um, album called Songs in A Minor. And I like fell in love with her music. And I think it was my first introduction because when it came out, I was a toddler. I think it was my first introduction to like R&B music or modern R&B music. So I don't know. She, she had a beautiful way of writing and just her outlook on life is absolutely stunning. Uh, so definitely a good read as well, even though I'm not not a big fan of like venerating uh, celebrities, like that's not who I am, but she just seems like a really humble person and I respect her art and her, her music. Um, so I still felt like I had a lot to learn from just her life experiences. And I think she's, uh, the book, it was a great, I enjoyed it. Um, then another one, <laughs> was Smarter, Faster, Better by Charles Duhigg, which was a book that was recommended on the Dare to Lead podcast by Brittany Brown, I believe. And I swear every book she recommends or every guest she has on her podcast, when I end up reading the book, I'm never, I'm never disappointed. They're always great books. And this one was more of like a business slash productivity type of book. So sometimes they can be a little bit dry, right? Like if you are into those, like the leadership slash nonfiction self I wouldn't call it self-help, like, because there's evidence, it's evidence-based, but you know what I'm talking about. Usually they can be pretty dry and pretty hard to get through, but that wasn't the case with this book. I think that the the writing and the, the chapters were laid out perfectly. They flowed and the author used 
a lot of anecdotes, a lot of stories as examples. And the stories were very, very compelling. Uh, so one of the examples that the author used was, I think, describing focus and how we lose focus and how we can gain focus. And the story throughout that chapter was about flight 447, like a, a flight that ended up crashing. And just the way that the story was told, I felt like I was there and I was on the edge of my seat, like just reading a nonfiction book. And yeah, it also, there was about 60 pages of end notes, which we love to see it, right? Like I love when a book that is nonfiction is well-researched and has its proper sources. Like there is nothing more I love to see than that, which leads me to my next point. Um, because I'm currently reading a book that I wish I had never bought, but because I bought it, I have to finish it. And unfortunately it sucks. And I would rate it a zero out of five if I could, but on Goodreads, I think I'm going to give it a one once I'm done. Um, and it is the 10 X rule by Grant Cardone. So there's a big, there's a big difference between a nonfiction book that is motivating to people that provides resources and sources that when they cite studies, they have evidence um, that it helps improve people's lives, especially when we're talking about success and productivity and leadership and, and, and skills that you can cultivate. But this book was not at all what I was expecting. Um, so it talks about how to achieve success. However, it reads as if the author is just going on some ego boost, like they're high off of their own ego, um, continuously discusses victim mentality, calls people sissies in the book, which I mean, first, isn't that word like, I don't know, but is that word not problematic? Because I feel like it is. Um, haven't we kind of moved past it? Like, I feel like that word, I haven't, I haven't even heard that word since like middle school when like guys would call that to each other like I have not even heard that word and this is a grown man in his 50s using that word to describe people that he says um if you're not thinking big and, and great you're mediocre and your life sucks and the only way to have a, me a meaningful life is if your career is so big that you're making millions and you're doing amazing which like that's not the case like he neglects to mention that there is a certain privilege that comes with getting all the success easily, him specifically, like, but um, despite this fact, it's just he doesn't have any sources for his claims. The claims are coming from him. And when you make big claims and you don't use any models or you don't use any backup for it, how are you going to prove your point, right? That's the biggest thing that pisses me off. If you're going to write a fiction book, that's different. You don't need any sources for that. If you're writing a memoir, if you're writing a poetry book, you know what I mean? You don't need any sources for that because that's your story. But he's not painting this as a story. He's painting this as a factual book when it's not. And it's shaming people. Like the entire book is just shaming people for their choices. It is shaming people and saying that essentially if you are part of the middle class or the, the, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank here. Lower, would it be lower class? the two bottom classes that you suck like he literally verbatim like he says people are crybabies and that if you're not in the uh rich oh my god i'm losing my words here for describing anything that's not middle class if you're not in the upper class and you're not affluent you're not successful and if you're happy where you are and you think you've made it you haven't you have to keep driving for more and if you're not working every day of every weekend and if you're taking Sundays off then you suck I hate this like the grind never stops mentality like 
this is the type of mentality that I encountered in from like first year business students when I was in undergrad, you know, the type of when the guys bros would like put suits on and take pictures outside of the university and be like entrepreneur in their bio, even though they don't have any business. That is a vibe I get. And it's coming from a man that was born in the fifties. Okay. Anyways. (laughs) So Yeah, I know that's mean, and I'm not trying to be mean, but this author is shaming literally everyone. So if you were thinking of reading it, please don't. (laughs) Do yourself a favor and buy a better book. Um, But yeah, that's I think that's pretty much it for book updates. I'm reading currently All the Light We Cannot See. Um, And it's amazing so far, but I'd rather finish it first before I can give my thoughts on it. And it is a fiction book. So that's everything for that, another rant. But yeah, I sometimes what happens is like, I Google these people after I've already bought the book and then I'll be like, that it up problematic or criticism related to their book. And for this specific person, I like, they're charging people like so much money to go to their like workshops and tutorials and they're just spewing the same information the same repetitive information and apparently they are a sketchy person that has questionable um practices right so I feel like this always happens to me this is the third author or personality where I purchased their material or their book the last one I discussed in another podcast episode, and I think the first one was The Law of Attraction book by Esther Hicks, which also turned out to be like the craziest book that I've ever read in my life, like absolutely ridiculous. Um, but let's stop there. I think the last few things that I wanted to discuss in this episode, we did a book update. Oh, right. Was um, discovering one of my core values. So I don't know if I've discussed this before, but when we have values that we live by, it just makes life a little bit easier and then we can adhere to those values and it's kind of like a guidebook for life. Now, when I have told this to people, they'll say, well, um, this is the purpose of religion because that provides a guide, kind of like a guide on how to live your life as a good person. And I agree. I totally agree. But for some people who are still on their spiritual religious journey, like me, <laughs> who is still a little bit confused about a few things, I think that, or for anybody, for just for anybody, if there are a few core values that you want to emphasize in your life, it makes it a lot easier to decide if something is right for you. It makes it a lot easier to think about the type of person that you want to be. This was very much discussed by Brene Brown in her book, the gifts of imperfection and I think a few of her other books and she's brought it up in her podcasts and that's kind of what inspired me in the first place but there was this like guided podcast that she did with a spreadsheet about values and it just clicked to me one day because there are hundreds of values you can choose from like you can choose um career honesty humility modesty um graciousness gracefulness like there are hundreds of values and the one that's the few that speak to you that's your life like that's the life that you want to exude and portray and it takes a while to find your core values and I think that core values can change as well because as we grow older we have more experiences that shape our life and we change I don't think we're the same person that we were 
at different phases of our life. So I was putting my makeup on one day and I was like, one of my core values is authenticity because anything that hasn't felt authentic to me makes me want to throw up. And I realized that I'm only getting better and I'm only feeling good about myself when I'm authentically speaking my truth and when I'm doing something that aligns with who I want to be. So I discovered that authenticity is one of my core values. And I almost cried because I've been so confused. I'm like, who do I want to be? Like, what's, what's important to me? Like, is it happiness? Is it, is it being humble? Is it, is it, is it peace? Is it serenity? Is it being entrepreneurial? Like there are so many values. You can do a quiz actually. You can just Google it. And there are so many quizzes available that will kind of hone in on it. But I think they're not accurate because they didn't give me the results that felt real. And so now I'm on my journey to discover the second one, because I think everyone needs like two to three values that guide them. So that's why anything that I make um, on this podcast will always be authentic to who I am. And I'm not going, that's why, that is why I put up episodes, even though they're not perfect. Um, I won't, you know, I won't hold back on something I'm interested in talking about. If I'm talking about books, it's because that's authentic to who I am. And even though maybe not a lot of people are interested in that, I'm going to put it out there anyways. Or if I discuss a life experience that I have, it's going to be authentic to who to who I am, right? I love that. And I've just been feeling really positive about it. Um, so yeah, if you, I feel like a lot of quizzes and tests can actually help us be who we, discover who we, who we are or who we want to be. And, um, you know, not every quiz, like I'm not saying go do BuzzFeed quizzes and you know who you are. I'm not like, not those type of quizzes, but uh, like discovering values. I think the Myers-Briggs, um, test is definitely helpful in, um, kind of seeing where you lie. I personally am an ENTJ, but I am like almost 50, 50 between ENFJ as well depending on whether I've been thinking or feeling more, I guess. But the predominant one for me is ENTJ. Um, And then I noticed that as I started opening up more to emotions, I became more ENFJ, but it's still pretty much like 55 to 45 for me. Um, So that's a helpful quiz. Definitely do that if you want to discover more about yourself. Um, The Enneagram, again, I forgot which type I am, but maybe we'll discuss it in another episode, but that one's also a fun one. And then just going back to that, like how astrology is not a quiz, but it is a process of self-discovery. And I, I think that yes, it's important not to get too lost in these quizzes and tests. And it's not good to base our identity off of a few words or something that says you are defined by this. But at the same time, I think that having guideposts and having a few a few guidelines and that that really speak to who you are and that make you feel good inside when you hear them I also think for young people especially it can be a great tool to use to cultivate what you want to do to look at what skills you want to grow um yeah that's at least that's how I feel (laughs) but I think that's the last thing that I was going to talk about Oh, embracing the unknown. Yeah, that's another one for me. So a big goal for me this year is to embrace the unknown and to lean into uncertainty, which if you have anxiety as I do, you know, that's like the hardest thing in the world. Like I I would rather someone say like, 
jump into a pitfall of snakes then tell me that I should embrace uncertainty and not knowing where my future lies but I think it is very important to realize that nothing is certain in this world and that once you can embrace uncertainty life just isn't that as scary anymore and it's something I've been trying to do lately like I'll wake up and say you don't know what's going to happen today you could have challenges it could be an easy day or a hard day or when a situation comes up I don't try to resolve it anymore I'm like it'll happen whatever happens happens and I just have to live with it and the rest will follow so I think I'll talk more about that after and how it relates to anxiety and the importance of letting go of the need for certainty because you're never going to get that validation nothing will ever be certain in your life nothing is promised right the only thing that is certain is who you are and who you know you are and what you want, right? Um, yeah, I think it's a good place to end off um, the podcast episode now. But yeah, let me know your thoughts. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. If you are listening to the podcast, I love you. Thank you so much. And I will, or you will listen to me next episode. Thank you.